We believe that the salvation of sinners is holy through grace, that we have no righteousness or goodness of our own wherewith. To seek divine favor and must come, therefore, throwing ourselves upon the unfailing mercy and love of him who bought us and washed us in his own blood, pleading the merits and the righteousness of Christ the Savior, standing upon his word and accepting the free gift of his love and pardon. Amen. We believe we're the third week of our We Believe series. And we believe, hallelujah, in salvation through grace. Can you say that with me? Salvation through grace. Holy through grace. Right? Holy through grace. No righteousness, no goodness on our own that would allow us to be able to seek God's favor. So instead, what do we do? We come fully, throwing ourselves upon the unfailing mercy and love of God through Jesus, who has washed us clean with his blood. We are now declared righteous because we are in Christ who is righteous. We stand upon his word, accept the free gift. Everybody say free gift. Free gift of his love and his pardon. Our salvation is this beautiful display of God, his love and his mercy. Yet, for me, I've always wrestled with this belief, the one that Jonathan just read. It's not that I disagree with it. It just goes against my nature. See, I'm a doer. I want to earn what I can get. Anybody else like that? But this is saying that on my own, there's nothing that I can do. No good work, no good deed, nothing. I mean, nothing that I can do to be saved other than accept God's free gift of salvation. It's salvation through grace. Salvation through grace. God's grace. But that's difficult, right? Because... That's not how most of us are wired. We don't want to just receive a gift. We want to earn it. God, I want to earn my salvation. In fact, God, just give me ten laws that I could follow. Or maybe just give me some books of the law. We'll call it the Pentateuch. Or we'll call it the Torah. And just let me follow that. We all know how well that went in the Old Testament. If the system of salvation ever depend upon me doing a hundred things, or me doing fifty things, or me doing ten things to receive eternal life, I'm going to fall short every single time. The only way salvation is possible for me and for you, it is by the perfect, righteous, holy, and just God of the universe making a way for you and me by his grace. But yet we struggle with grace. I think of it this way. We are dead without it, but yet we still struggle with it. Isn't that amazing? We're dead without it, yet we still struggle with it. We want to earn our salvation, but yet again, I want to make this clear. I want to make this absurdly, ridiculously, redundantly clear. Instead of earning it, we receive it as a grace gift from God to us. It's one of the things that separates, by the way, if you think about it, Christianity from most religions, right? Right? It's not about what we can do to try to get to God, but it's about what God has done to get to us. I want to say that again. It's not about what we can do to get to God, but it's about what God has done to get to us. All right, well, then that takes a little bit longer. Like I said, my brain's always going on things like this. So if salvation is all about grace and it's not about our works, then what about this life? Are there good things for us to do in this life? Yeah, absolutely. And you read scriptures, you see that Ephesians 2.10, right? Remember that one? I don't think we have the words for it, but we are God's handiwork, handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which... By the way, this should blow your mind. God prepared when? 
in advance for us to do. In fact, I would say there's probably a lot more good things for us to do than we're probably currently doing. Right? And there are godly standards to be upheld. We've given, been given a manual on how to live the Christian life. And there should be a difference, by the way, between the Christian life and the unbeliever's life. A Christian, what do we do? We choose to obey God. That's a tough one, right? You kind of wish sometimes he'd just make you do it. But he actually lets you have the choice. You get to choose to believe in him, choose to obey him, choose to follow him, choose to love him, choose to surrender to him. So there are things for us to do. There is a rightful place for works in the Christian life. We have a part to play. But we must clearly separate, separate, separate the works that a believer does because of salvation from what someone does as a misguided attempt to earn salvation. Okay, can we see the difference? And by the way, Pastor Adam prayed this actually in our leadership team this morning, and it's so true. His saving grace, once you're saved, his saving grace, it doesn't stop at conversion. Right? Have you noticed that? Anybody else know that? Anybody else realize that you really needed that? <laughs> I mean, even after receiving eternal life, even after forgiving that, getting that forgiveness of sins, being declared righteous before God, all those things, we are still in a desperate need of the grace of God. I've been walking with the Lord for some time now, and I am daily made aware that I am still in need of God's grace. Daily made aware that life is still about God and his grace. Any sin that I commit that doesn't strike me dead is by the grace of God, right? And I would also say any good deed that I do is by the grace of God. It's all about God's grace. It must be. Sometimes we want to make it about us and other things, but what happens? Pride, boastfulness, all those things. Paul talks about those as well. I'll talk about them later. But it has to be about grace. But before I really dive into this idea of grace, I wanted to sing a song. In fact, I wanted to ask Bets to come up, and, and she's going to lead us in the song. And if you know it, go ahead and sing. But I think it does a better job of communicating this whole idea better than any sermon I could give. Sing with us. Wow. 
Thank you, Bets. We're going to do things a little different today. We're going to shake it up a little bit. We're still going to do, do a couple of questions like we did last week. I still want to walk through questions, still explain what it means to be saved by grace, salvation through grace. But after giving a brief overview, I'm actually going to leave us some time for a few of my dear friends to come up, share their personal experiences of their grace, their experience of the grace of God. It should be good. I, I, think, it's, I think you're going to enjoy it. So... We don't want to, again, like I talked the last couple of weeks, we don't want to just answer these questions to be theologically puffed up so we can, you know, impress our friends at the RV show. It really is that we would learn these things and you learn them. Why? Because it would actually influence your life. If I might be so bold, that's one of the things that ticks me off about church is that people can go to church for years of their life and never be changed. And I'm just like... What have you been doing? Like, the idea is that you'd actually learn and be changed by the Holy Spirit. And He would transform you, not just to be miserable, but to be more like Christ. The sanctification process of becoming more like Jesus Christ and actually having it affect how you live your life. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to give you just a couple of principles. I pray that they'd be sealed on your heart. You'd never forget them. Like a child that learns Jesus loves me when they're three, you will learn today what it means to be saved by grace. Okay? Okay. I hope... That's good. So number one question, and only three today. Number one, how is grace best defined? And, and I'm going to define grace for us in just a second. But here's the thing. This is what gets me going when I think about defining grace, is that I didn't hear my first English definition of grace until late in my teen years. Honestly, I grew up in a Christian home, but I didn't hear a definition of grace until late in my teen years. Yet, I want you to know that God had been defining grace in my life long before a preacher ever told me what it means. Does that make sense? Because grace is grace whether you know how to define it or not. God's grace is God's grace. So when a preacher told me, Dan, it means unmerited favor. Have you ever heard that before, that grace means unmerited favor? When a preacher said it means unmerited favor, simply saying that it's something that you have not earned, you have not deserved. I was like, yeah, (laughs) tell me something I didn't know. Because God has been showing me that, whatever that was, whatever that definition you just told me, he's been showing that my entire life. I've been experiencing the grace of God my entire life. So when I think about the fact that he saved me by his grace, there's another part of me that goes, and, and maybe you do this too, but when you think, you know, God saved you by grace, I just like, what were you thinking? Anybody like, say, why? Anybody else? I mean... Maybe it's just I have a bad self-image. I'm like, are you, are, you, are you kidding me, God? What a waste of cosmic universal energy <laughs> to show me grace. Do you know how, who I am? Do you know how hostile I was towards you? Do you know how much I hated you? And yet you showed me favor. You showed me blessing. You forgave me. You saved me. You helped me. You sent me your Holy Spirit. 
And God says, yeah, that's what I did. It's called grace. Undeserved, unmerited favor. Unmerited favor, this phrase that points out the fact that salvation is a gift. Have you ever heard that? The idea that salvation is a gift. We'll, we'll put on the idea that it is a free gift. And, and think about what that means, that it's a gift. This kind of irks me sometimes. Because the, the fact that it's an irk, it means that instead of salvation being a reward, right? A reward for all that I've done. A reward that and somehow I've earned it or that I deserve it. When I watch Christian, evangel- uh, uh, Christian uh, TV evangelists, there's a lot of earning going on on those channels. But instead here it says that it is not about earning it or deserving it. Instead, it's a what? It's a gift. It's a gift. And when someone receives salvation through grace, it means God favorably has looked upon that person, even though he or she has done nothing. I mean nothing. I mean absolutely nothing to deserve this favor. It's a free gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I just read Ephesians 2, 10, but the two verses before that, it says, for it is by what? It's been by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the, it is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. Isn't that weird? You, you can read those verses, and, and as Christians, we kind of talk those verses. But I really want us to understand those verses. It is a gift from God, not by works. Why? Because so that no one, including Dan Burst, who struggles with this, so that I cannot boast. Because in my flesh, I get really prideful. But he says, no, it's not about you, Dan. It's not about you doing step one, two, three, and four, and five. It's about me and me showing favor, blessing, Love, grace, and mercy towards you. Hallelujah. Another one, Romans eleven six. Paul says, and if it was by grace, this is some logical conversation here. If it is by grace, then it is no longer by works. Sorry, Dan. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. All right. There it is. So earning salvation by works. Receiving salvation as a gift. You see how they're... But diametrically opposed, I guess, right? right? You got this salvation through work, salvation as a gift. They're opposing concepts, oil and water. This is really important for us to understand because depending, this, this is so good, because depending upon the way you live your life, trying to earn your salvation by works or by grace through faith, the rest of your life, like the rest of your life, what you say, what you do will be based and will be built upon either one of those beliefs, right? Because that's a foundational belief. Depending on what you believe, and even now, I wonder, just some of the people I'm hanging with, like, what do you really believe? Because how you're living, what you're saying, what you're doing, uh, yeah, which, which side are you on? It's important to think about that. Because if you believe that you can earn your salvation, then you're going to live your life with that thought always in the back of your mind. I have friends like this. Was it? And this is just what I ask them. I go, well, when is good enough ever good enough? Right? Where is it? Where, where is the line where, where you, you've done good enough? Where is the line where you've made God happy? Right? Where, where is that? Where he's now happy? Where is it where now you're in the favor of God? Where is it now where you have the blessings of God? Where is it now where you've made God uh, to, to truly pour his blessings down upon you? Do, do, and, then, and then it's like, do I need to do more? Do I need to do less? Right? Where's the barometer? Where's the temperature gauge? And those are some stressed out Christians. Then there's an opposite doctrine that says, God, out of his amazing love for me, he demonstrated his grace, his unmerited, 
undeserved favor towards me and through Jesus Christ and his blood save me. It's a free gift. You know what I got to do? I got to receive it. Through faith, receive this gift. Again, such a simple doctrine, but somehow we confuse it and we mess it up. I know I do. Because depending on what you believe about salvation, there's these two paths that you can travel down as an individual. It might even break your heart. Does it break your heart when you think about your friends who are living in the bondage of the salvation through works? Does anyone else know people that are just completely trapped in that? That don't experience the freedom of truly living by grace? And I just say, if uh, just think about it. Which path are you working on? Or, or are you walking down? Question number two. What is the scriptural foundation for salvation through grace? Scriptural foundation for salvation through grace. First of all, grace is inseparably linked to the person of Jesus Christ. Right? You cannot have God's grace and the receiving of grace or receiving salvation through grace without Jesus. See, I, and this is interesting. I thought this a lot as a kid, but now I know better. Grace isn't just the loving disposition of God. Meaning it's not just that grace overlooked your sin or that God just overlooked your sin. This is really important because when we think about grace, I, I just show you grace. And so I just kind of overlook his sin, right? I'm gracious towards him. What God did is different than that. This is really important to understand because it wasn't possible because of who God is by his nature. It's not possible for him to overlook our sin. He couldn't just overlook our sin. If he overlooked our sin, then he would be unjust. God is a God of justice. And for justice to be satisfied, it was necessary for those who sinned to be punished. Right? Justice had to be served. There was a penalty for sin. And what was the penalty for sin? Death. death. Yeah, it was death. The only alternative to each person dying for his or her own sins was the Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God, dying in our place. Couldn't just overlook our sins. There had to be a penalty. A penalty had to be paid. That's grace. That's God's grace. So whatever grace we show, and we should be showing grace, he took it to the next level, right? There was a penalty to be paid. That's his grace. It's really important to understand that. That he couldn't just say, oh, I'm just going to overlook it. No. He is a just God, a God of justice. There had to be a price to be paid. Two scriptures explain this very well. Romans 3, 21 through 26. An amazing passage. I want to read the whole thing. It is incredible. This is revolutionary, by the way, what Paul is saying uh, to his audience. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. That would shake them up pretty big. No difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to de demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just... And the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So the Apostle Paul, he explains that righteousness. Righteousness, uh, standing before God, uh, being declared righteous. A right standing before God, holy and clean, righteous. Righteousness, he says, 
And if I was a Jew, I might want to kill him on this one. But he says righteousness is apart from the law. In the Old Testament, this is huge. Righteousness is apart from the law. That's what he says in verse 21. But now apart from the law is righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This is huge. Sometimes I think we just read the Bible and we take it for granted. It's this Christianese and we just kind of run with it. But we need to understand what is being said. Don't do this with this statement, with this verse. Pay attention. By this statement, Paul is telling all of us that right standing before God is now achieved not by any system, not any kind of defined human conduct, no mosaic law, no any other kind. It's about the law. No, it is said that righteousness is apart from the law. And instead, he proclaims this radical message of righteousness. Verse 22, this is what he says. He goes, it's given, righteousness is given through what? Through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Paul, you should be killed for that kind of statement. Are you kidding me? Yes, I'm serious. Righteousness is now found through who? Jesus. Verse 24, and all Jew, Gentile, all, everyone are justified freely by his grace to the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Again, this is huge. Righteousness that is apart from the law. Righteousness that is found in Jesus. Righteousness that is found in Christ alone. God has acted in Christ to provide the only possible means of salvation. And it is totally unmerited. This is important to understand. Christians, we're always throwing the law in there. Man, we, we get 20, 30 years of Christianity under our belts, and we get really good at creating our own system of laws. But he's saying it's not by the law. It's what? It's unmerited. It's undeserved. It's by grace. Through who? Jesus. Another great passage is Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I already read it. You can put it up on the screen, though. I'm not going to read it again, but you can see it's a powerful image. It's this idea of salvation through grace. It's similar to the passage I just read in Romans. But here he explains that truly the faith aspect of salvation. Because he tells us that salvation doesn't come by works so that no one can boast. That's really important. I'm glad that's in there because a lot of us struggle with boasting. And so he just... Zips you with that one. <laughs> you aren't saved by your works. Sorry, you aren't. Works are out of the equation for your salvation. And when he addresses this idea of works, by the way, he's not just referring to the Mosaic law. Now, now, if you're a Jewish reader and you're hearing this, he's talking about works. It would kind of make sense, right? The Mosaic law. But who are most of Paul's readers? Are they Jews or are they Gentiles? Remember? Gentiles. So non-Jews. And so he's warning these Gentiles. He's warning them. He's warning us. Against trusting in our own categories of works. Because I don't care what religion you are. We all got some categories of works. And so this idea of works, it's just really any human effort in general. Anything that human beings, you and I, anyone in this room, attempt to do to earn our salvation. I got a lot of lists. I mean, a long list of things that I've done and tried to earn my salvation. But see, boasting, it just leads to pride before God. A sense of entitlement. A sense of reward. Again, I know a lot of people that walk that life. That is the life they live. Where because I did this, this, and this, I should receive this, this, and this. But our salvation, it is by grace. And because of that, God has shut out any and all hint of boasting. God doesn't owe us anything. (laughs) Everything we receive from His is a gracious gift. Okay? Question number three. What must we do to receive this grace? 
And now we're taking grace to the most intimate and personal level. What must you do? What must I do to receive the grace of God in our life? Well, personally embracing God's plan of salvation through grace, it begins with the acknowledgement that we are spiritually dead. Again, some of us struggle with that. We want to go down the path of, I'm a good person, and you know, all those kind of things. No. Outside of Christ, you might be a good person, but you're dead. You can't be a little dead. You're either dead or alive. And if you're dead, you're dead. There's nothing you can do to make you less dead. You can't earn the undeadness. We must understand that we can never merit God's favor, no matter how hard we try. We are in desperate need for the grace of God. Okay? We're lost without the grace of God. Next, we must trust in Jesus Christ's work on the cross and that it is God's provision for our salvation. And finally, we must receive it by repenting, turning from our sins, and embracing God's gift by and through faith. Right? How do we receive salvation? We receive it through faith. All right. There you go. Hopefully you can see how important grace is. Whether you're a believer or unbeliever. If you're a Christian here this morning, listen up. As your pastor, I want everyone in this room to live in the freedom that is found in Christ. It breaks my heart when I see people living that proclaim and declare Jesus as their Lord and Savior who are not living in the freedom that is found in Christ. The freedom of finding out that you don't need to earn your salvation. If you didn't get anything else from the day, I hope that that would be imprinted on your heart. If you're a Christian here this morning, you're still trying to earn your way into God's favor, stop. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, stop. Relax. Enjoy his presence. Enjoy his favor. I get it. It's undeserved. But stop feeling so guilty about it. Just receive. It's unmerited. Yeah, it's not by your works. I get it. But receive. It's his love. Yeah, and sometimes you fail at loving him. I get it. But receive. And it's His grace. And sometimes you're not very gracious. I get it. But receive. It's His grace. It's His love. Walk in that freedom today. Yeah, you know what? And you've got things to do. In fact, God created some things for you to do. But there are things for you to do as one who is saved. As one who is forgiven. Justified. Redeemed. As one who is adopted. Some of you have a really bad image of what it means to be Christian, did you know you're an adopted son, an adopted daughter? That he actually likes you? He loves you. So live as the one who is under his grace, not one who is trying to make his or her way into the good graces of God. And if you're not a Christian, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I've got really good news for you. No matter how troubled or sinful your life has been, you can, right now, today, this very moment, receive God's salvation through grace. It's a beautiful message. It is truly good news. No matter what you've done, there is no reason for you to wait even another day before you receive his free gift of eternal life. Now, if it was a works-based system, think about this. If it was a works-based system, then maybe you would want to wait a little bit before surrendering to God, right? Maybe you'd want to get your life straightened out a little bit. Stop cursing so much. Stop watching so many Will Ferrell movies. Or what I've done before, maybe just start doing more good than bad, right? If there's this scale of good and bad, I can do more good before I present myself 
to Christ. But if that's your mindset, I just want you to know this. If that's what you've been doing, stop, because it's not doing anything. <laughs> it's not doing anything. That, that doesn't do anything for your relationship with God. There's no power in that. The only thing that has power is Jesus. The only thing that has power is the cross. So important. The only thing that can get you into that right relationship with God is Jesus and the power of his sacrifice. It's about God showing you and I his plan of redemption that sent his son to die for our sins, to pay the penalty for our sins. And if you put that faith in his sacrifice, if you put your hope and your trust in the power of the cross, you are forgiven of all your sins. They are paid for. You are redeemed. You are brought into a right relationship with God forever with eternal life as a son or a daughter of the Most High, all because of his grace. And so if that's you, if you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus, would you stand? I would just love to pray with you in front of everyone here. Make it awkward because I want to show you how much God loves you and that he cares for you and that there's a family that when you're adopted as a son or a daughter, you're actually adopted into a family of brothers and sisters who would do just about anything for you. So if you don't know Christ in that way, would you just stand? I'd love to pray for you. All right. I think it was already said that we're all Christians here, so praise the Lord. So there's a lot of joy in this house then, huh? A lot of joy. So at this point, this is pretty exciting. I want to bring up some of my friends to talk for just a moment about God's grace in their lives. They're going to share what it means to be saved by grace and how that played out in their own personal lives. Would you welcome up to the stage with me, Anna Owen, Tucker Mayer, and Emily Faber. Take a seat. Do we have a mic for them as well? Awesome. All right. Do we have the lie detector? Te- the let's dim the lights a little, or no, to get them a little brighter. I'm sweating. All right. So I asked you guys, uh, thank you so much for being a part of this. But um, Tucker, I was talking to you earlier and you said you'd be willing to share just a little bit about what does it mean that you're saved by grace? What does God's grace mean to you in your life? Um, Well, to me, saved uh, by grace is just it's no matter how bad you're running, how far you're running away, or it, whether you, how bad you messed up, he's always there to forgive you and just, he's there to love on you and just be there. Amen. So have you experienced his grace in your life before? Uh, yeah, um, quite a bit. <laughs> uh, well, I think one of the things was last, uh, last year when we were going to start Ignite and we kind of just, that kind of just trailed off. And uh, it's just he's given grace to give the opportunity to start that back up again this year and spread the love of God. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. All right, Anna. How about you, my world traveler? (laughs) She's been in Denmark. Six months last year. Six months last year. That's incredible. (laughs) 
I went to Canada once. <laughs> <laughs> so how about you? God's grace in your life. Um, so I guess the best way that I can think of it is you have to blindly trust sometimes. Just this last week, I've had my driver's license a whole month now. So, pretty new. Um, I was driving home on Wednesday night, and it was pretty slick. And I've kind of gotten cocky about it. I'm like, oh, I'm better at this than I used to be. And I spun my tires, and as I'm making my left turn, my car just starts not going with me. And I'm praying, oh, man, please don't let me hit the edge of the road. This could be bad. And just the last second, it grabs and I get going. Mm. And sometimes we just have to trust and trust and trust. And at that last second, we'll straighten out. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Anna. Praise the Lord. Emily. So I guess I, I struggle with grace all the time. And um, when Dan asked me to, to talk a little bit about it, my, um, my mind drifted back to a story that, uh, you know, I remember uh, a discussion with my parents that I had when I was about 11. Um, I, am, I am the oldest and the only girl of five. Um, and there is seven years between uh, myself and the youngest and we, um, so I am a big helper. My mom needed a lot of help growing up and, um, just trying to wrangle all the boys and keep them in line and keep them going in one direction instead of scattering and going all over and going and getting dirty and playing in mud and all that great stuff. Um, usually I was the ringleader in that, but most of the time I was helping. Um, so, uh, by the time I hit 11, I, you know, I had been helping quite a bit and, and I felt unappreciated. I felt like, you know, my parents, you know, why am I doing all these chores and this and that? And, you know, they don't really love me. They only love me because I am, um, doing all of these things for them and this and that and, and all that kind of stuff. And I finally blew up. I finally, um, threw a tantrum basically and said, you guys don't love me. I might as well just run away and not even live here anymore. There's no point. You only love me for cleaning the bathroom and doing the dishes and, and, you know, wrangling the boys and whatever. And, um, I just remember, um, my mom just breaking down and just saying, honey, that's not it. That's not it. I love you regardless of what you do. And, and so, um, and so that, that just, that, that impacted me. So fast forward, um, six years, I was 17 and I was basically having the same conversation with God. <laughs> I'm like God, I, you know, so I, I was highly involved in the, in the church. I did Sunday school. I was doing high school ministry. I was running sound. I was doing this. I was doing that. And I just finally had had it. I was starting to burn out and said, God, you don't love me anymore. You love me only for what I'm doing. Hmm. And that's still, I'm not getting in my way. I'm still not getting what I want. And in that moment, God is like, are you kidding me? It is by grace. It's not by your works. It is by grace that I have saved you. And um, in, in, my, um, in my involvement, I was in a Bible study and we were going through James. And James 2 talks about how um, it, your, your faith is dead without works, but your works are dead without faith. 
And so at that point in time, I had to say, all right, what am I working for? Am I working for the works to try to earn my way to heaven? Or am I working for the grace of God? Oh, not, not just working, sorry, let me take that back, but able to sit and just relax in his grace. And that way, those things, the, the things that he's gifted me in, the things that I love to do, come just naturally Amen. there's no there's Praise no um, um there's no push there's no drive to be able to say okay i have to do this this and this in order to right. achieve z right i don't have to achieve my salvation my salvation Hallelujah. has already been given to me my grace has already been given to me yeah. i don't have to do a b and c in order to to get there yeah. i just can be Amen. And and in that being, then I can do all the things that God has gifted me to do. I can love people. I can run sound. I can do Sunday school. I can do mm. ministry. Mm. And and if I and I have to check myself all the time and say, okay, what am I working for? Am I working for work's sake or am I working for God's sake because He loves me? Mm. And so I, I I'm constantly that's a constant struggle in saying, am I relying on my grace or am I relying on my works? And that's always diff- and, and, and that's still a struggle. I still have to check myself um, on, on basically a yearly that's basis. That's the real stuff of life right there. <laughs> Amen. You guys are a blessing to us. Hallelujah. Would you just thank us? Give them up. Amen. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, I just thank you. That is such a good word. Just the three things that they just said. I just, oh, it encourages my faith so much this morning, Lord. I thank you for your grace. Um, yeah, I think we wrestle with it at, at some level. <laughs> but deep down within us, as the new creation side of us, the born-again, regenerated side, we understand that we are truly saved by grace. Even that idea of earning it, we know is ridiculous. <laughs> we know it's absurd. Because we could never, ever come close, Lord. Your perfection, your holiness, your righteousness, never outside of the grace of God, saved a sinner like me, declared me a saint. So we just thank you, Lord, for that this morning. And and I just pray over this entire group here this morning, and, and we're all believers here. We all confess the Lord is our Savior, but I, I just know that some of us, whether it's because of something we've done in our past or because of something that's been done to us. Just very seriously and in a very real way, we have a hard time receiving your grace. I mean, I get it that in the spiritual realm and in the issues of eternity, we have salvation, but Lord, in this room... There's a lack of freedom in some of our lives because we have not fully embraced your grace. And for so many of us, the, the hindrance, the block, is us still trying to earn your favor. Still trying to do enough good or enough right be pleased to have you be pleased with us and 
I think the only solution to that is you and your voice and your spirit to speak to us right now. Speak to us your grace. That your grace is more than emotion. Your grace is more than feeling. Your grace is a truth in our lives. That whether we feel it or not, we are forgiven. Whether we feel it or not, we are justified. We are declared righteous. So God, so many of us are these perfect, righteous, holy, adopted ones of God, and yet we're living as though we aren't. And so God, by your supernatural power, break through. Break through the lies of the enemy. Break through the lies that friends have told us. Break through the lies that our boyfriends or girlfriends or spouses have told us. Break through the lies that our mother or our father told us. Break through the lies that our coworkers, our classmates, even our pastors, Lord, have told us. Break through the lies that we might fully receive and accept your grace. We are saved by your grace. Let freedom rise up in this place, Lord. Let freedom rise up in this place. That your grace is enough. Your grace is enough, Lord. Your grace is enough.